brain. So this episode has been in the works for probably over a month now. I'm sure you guys will remember, but February 5th, we had the privilege of getting to see Aaron Zindel and the Ragbirds perform in Holland. Holland, Michigan, to clarify. Oh, yes. August, the band opened for them that night, and we had the opportunity to get to talk to them that night and then go back and forth for a little while and finally get to sit down with Olivia Vargas, their lead singer, and Michael Pierce, their guitar player. The whole band is, of course, Olivia and Michael, along with Marissa Peek, who is their backup singer, William Wright, who plays bass, and Bailey Budnick, who plays drums. So without further ado, August, the band. From Nakano to Motown, from Muskegon to Madonna, you're listening to The Musical Mint. I'm Maggie. And I'm Bree, coming to you from Olivet College. This is your guide to all things music, all from the state of Michigan. My name's Olivia Vargas, and from Grand Rapids, Michigan, but um, I'm originally from the east side. I'm from Canton, Michigan. And I'm Michael Pierce, and I live in Grand Rapids as well, but I'm from Illinois. <laughs> and we're in a band called August. August the Band. <laughs> Why did you guys pick the name August? Yeah, so basically I started this band a couple of years ago, but it was under a different name. It was called Tabula Rasa, which no one could remember or spell or say. So I was thinking about a good name to stick in people's brains, something that was easy. And for me, August used to be like my least favorite month, actually, because um, it would be the end of summer, which is like my favorite season. And it always meant like going back to school and a bunch of change. And so I used to get really sad <laughs> then. And so I thought, you know, what if, what if I use that as something that signifies, you know, something good in my life. So a, a transition that feels good and something that I get excited now to play uh, in August because it's like when a lot of people ask us to play shows. So it's turned out to be like my favorite month now, but yeah, it was just kind of like a, a name that felt easy and memorable. Yeah, I love that. I was just about to say, it's like, I like that you were able to take something that you didn't necessarily like and make it something that you enjoy and look forward to now. And I kind of, even though it is my birth month, I ended up feeling a lot of that same way because my birthday would end up being on like the first day of school or the second day of school. And I'm like, oh yay, thanks. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's definitely changed my opinion of of the end of summer now I look forward to it. Yeah, that's awesome. How did you guys end up meeting? We all went to Aquinas College. So Marissa, who's our other singer, she was a senior when I was a freshman. So nobody else went to school with her, but I I did. And then Olivia was a year younger than me. Our bass player, William, was also a year under me. And then Bailey was a freshman when I was a senior. So it's like a few generations of Aquinas College music students now. (laughs) What inspired you guys to make a band? So originally, I mean, I've always written music. And so I kind of always knew that I wanted to collaborate in some way with my friends or, or just like I knew that having a band was something I wanted to do. And so it kind of sprung out of I like we talked about, I was a music student at Aquinas and I had a recital and I asked a couple of people to be in my band for my recital and play some of my music. And I loved it so much that I was like, can we make this a continual thing? And some of the members have changed since then. Like we all still, everybody is still from Aquinas, but some people have shifted from that time. But yeah, it came out of 
I knew that it it was a good start of something and I didn't want to let it go. What got you guys into music? Why did you decide to go to school for that? I didn't want to do anything else. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't too interested in, in doing much else. Or I couldn't, I don't know. It's like a really challenging thing. One to like master what, your instrument or songwriting or whatever you're doing. That's a challenge in itself. But then to like try to make a living off of it, like that's that's a lifetime's worth of work right there. So I'm, I'm still stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I always wanted to be a musician. I've always wanted to be a singer specifically. And I actually didn't, I, it was a very spontaneous choice for me to go to school for that. I wasn't expecting to do that. I didn't really read music before college. And so I felt very late in the game, but kind of similar to Michael, I just couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. And I'm not a person who functions well in nine to five jobs. I'm not a person who I need to have, I need to have creativity. And this just felt like the one thing I was kind of good at. So <laughs> I get that. So you, did you do choir when you were younger or anything? Yes, I, I did church choir actually, mostly growing up because a lot of the schools that I went to didn't have programs. But when I was in high school, I joined our school choir which I went to this massive high school. So the choir was really competitive and really awesome in the amount of opportunities they gave us. So I ended up getting really into it, but only in the very like last year or two of high school. But, and I always, I took piano lessons when I was really little and kind of just like played by ear. So I, I was always doing music, but just not, I didn't realize, you know, how serious I wanted to be about it. And do you have a similar story where you grew up playing or? Yeah, I've been playing guitar since I was nine years old. I think that's probably my first instrument, but I, I kind of came from a little bit of a musical household where like my parents played instruments and then both my brothers play different instruments. So everybody was always like practicing something, but I more so, I just took lessons out of, out of a guitar shop, like from fourth grade till my senior year of high school didn't play out too much. Uh, I, I did, you know, like got together with some friends and did like Green Day cover band type things and like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really start playing with people all too much until I went to school. So you guys have been doing music since you were pretty young. So how long have you been doing this together? Well, okay. Technically, Michael and I have been playing together for a long time. We have what I like to call a brother band called Conrad Shock and the Noise. So that was the first time that we started playing together in a band. And Bailey actually, Bailey Budnick, our drummer, also played in that band with us. And so we started playing, uh, I don't know, maybe six about, years ago. Yeah, about six years ago. I mean, we like did some stuff together at school. Like she's like, play this Adele song for my thing. <laughs> Yeah, but like I that type of stuff. But. I, I didn't. Um, Michael actually joined the band like a year or two into forming August. So he we've been playing in this this specific band together for about four years, I'd say. Yeah, about. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite song that you guys perform? Ooh, I think our answers might be different from each other. Yeah. Do you you want to go first? I want to think about mine for a second. <laughs> I really like the ones where I get to have big guitar solos. So there's one called Never Be the Same where the, the 
second half of the song is just a big guitar solo. But I also like one called Second Chances. It's really hard. And I don't know, it's like, I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Michael also, Michael and I tend to write a lot of the songs, like the bare bones of the songs together. So those are well, at least Second Chances um, was one that he kind of started writing on his own and then I added to. I would have to say my favorite songs are, <laughs> we have a song called All My Plants Are Dead. And um, right now that's my favorite song. Lyrically, it's one that I'm really proud of. It's kind of about the pandemic in the last two years. So it still is hitting pretty hard for me. And I just really still am connecting with, with the meaning of that song. So to me, the lyrics are the part that I cherish the most, but I think it's my favorite time of night when we're playing at the gig and we get to play a song called One Time, which is one of my oldest songs actually that I wrote. I wrote it even before Michael was in the band, but it's kind of like, I don't know, the one where we get to kind of dance a little bit and have fun, so. Because you said that you and Michael have like kind of co-wrote songs and stuff before, could you explain your songwriting process? Is it always like a group effort or does it lean more towards one person? Like what kind of process do you guys go through? So it has, this has been something that's taken probably all four years of us being in a band together to figure out. I originally used to write the entire song by myself. Then I would bring it to the band and like let them kind of change it. But I had a really hard time letting go. So what I realized was that that system wasn't always working and we were getting a lot of the same sounding things because, you know, I can only write so much until it starts to sound similar. And so the new model that we kind of adopted was sometimes I will write the very bare bones of the songs, knowing that Michael and the rest of the band are going to completely, you know, rearrange it. But we also do this thing where Michael will write the instrumental parts and then I will sit down and I will write the melody and all the harmonies over it. And typically the song always starts with the two of us and then we will make a demo. We'll record ourselves singing, playing what we hope the rest of the band members will do. And then everyone will learn it and then we'll, we'll get to band practice and everyone puts their own little kind of like flair on it. Maybe Marissa and I will figure out harmonies that are slightly different. William will add his own kind of thing to the bass line. Bailey will do his own thing so that it becomes something that we all have some ownership over. But yeah. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really love that because then it does transform from like one person's experience to bits and pieces of each other and each other's experiences and where you might not have like that exact emotion or a way of explaining it you have somebody else who can fill it in whether it's with like an actual instrumental piece or like their own voice and I think that's really cool right and it's kind of good to I don't know keep in mind everybody's interest when like writing songs too so we will have like discussions on like ideas for songs and then like when we can start including those and just to like shake it up a bit and kind of like get me out of my comfort zone for writing and like it's, it's good and then what, what if you're if you're considering everybody in the band then it's more likely to not get cut you know if that happens <laughs> that's such a good answer and your collaborative process is must be really valuable to you guys This week in music, Green Day has pulled out of their show in Moscow, Russia, 
in light of the events happening in Ukraine. They're actually not the only band to have done this. My Chemical Romance, Bjork, Iron Maiden, Louis Tomlinson, formerly of One Direction, The Killers, Iggy Pop, who is another Michigan musician, AJR, who you might know for the song Bang, and Franz Ferdinand have all pulled out of shows in Russia. Well, it's no surprise to me that any of these bands had decided to pull out, but particularly Green Day, just because of how incredibly vocal they have always been about their political views. They've even gone as far as to, like, make hit songs about their distaste for certain presidents in the past, so... It's not, it's not shocking. Not shocking, yeah. The New York Times reported on all of the major music companies that have paused business in Russia for the time being. So if you want to find out who is and who is maybe not necessarily fully pausing that business, you should definitely go and check that out. People Magazine exclusively revealed the lineup for the March Madness Music Festival, which is set to take place from April 1st through 3rd. I'm sorry. The March Madness Music Festival is taking place in <laughs> April? That sounds like an April Fool's joke. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm missing something, but that, it's definitely what they said. <laughs> well, to make sure that none of you miss out, there is going to be quite the lineup for that festival, including Khalid, Imagine Dragons, Macklemore, Group Love, and Trombone Shorty, which is definitely an interesting lineup, to say the least. I think it's going to be in New Orleans this year. That would make sense. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. This last story is a little bit bittersweet, I would say. Yeah. But I think one thing that we've learned is as terrible as current events are, no matter how violent the world gets, art always comes along with it. There is a Ukrainian orchestra that got to perform open air after having to practice underground in their homes as shells fell around them. And even as there was still fighting, they played in the streets. This is just so, I don't know, it's such a powerful moment. Like, I don't think anyone enjoys or finds happiness from war itself, but the art and humanity that like, tends to be generated from it is just kind of one of those silver linings that reminds you of why things are still worth being hopeful for, I guess. There's a video on the Washington Post if you would like to check it out and see it for yourself. The orchestra played Tchaikovsky, which he visited Ukraine when it was still ruled by Russian czars, so it almost feels a little bit fitting, I would say, <laughs> to have them play now. But this is all happening in Kiev, and that is not the only place that music is happening in Ukraine right now, as there have been viral videos of people singing their own traditional music, or even a haunting version of It's a Small World. And that's been this week in music. Mitten started as a radio show on WOCR 89.1 The One, Olivet College Radio. I'm your host Maggie. And I'm Bree. And we were so excited to go on a musical road trip all through the Great Lakes State. You can let us know who you want to hear through the survey link at the bottom of our website, themusicalmitten.wixsite.com slash themusicalmi. And if you want to hear music from artists we feature, we do create Spotify playlists under the same name as the show. Thanks for listening. I know you talked about the song All My Plants Are Dead and like how the pandemic affected you guys, but like how did that impact your performances and your writing processes together? We were obviously like every single, you know, musician and every person, This it, it really affected our industry in the way that we did things, but we had already set up 
a system that was very easy to, I don't know, survive during the pandemic. We are a very, I'm going to use this word and I'm not sure it's the best word, but homemade band. We have always kind of like been able to record ourselves, been able to use Google Drive to send things to each other. Like in a way, like we were already kind of working through technology to assist us. So when a lot of things had to switch over, we had a lot of the tools that were necessary for us to continue to do things. We started doing live stream concerts, which ended up being like our saving grace for a year and a half until we were finally able to feel comfortable playing out again. And I mean, our past album, Through the Looking Glass, it's unavoidable that a lot of those songs were written about kind of feeling lost in what the future looked like or is going to look like with the whole pandemic. But I think, you know, one of the reasons why playing All My Plants Are Dead is so emotional for me is because, you know, now I'm, I'm playing it to people. And one of the lines is, you know, like about missing the feeling of being in a bar on stage playing to a group of people. I never thought that I was going to really have that again after, you know, 2020. <laughs> so it's definitely been a month by month, day by day kind of thing of trying to transition and adapt. Yeah. And I think another thing is that we were super luck lucky with our timing that we had kind of just finished tracking our EP called Chaos and Comfort when everything shut down. I remember we were just like finishing up drums and we, it was like the, the next weekend was when everything shut down. And so everything else, we just recorded it at home and then, you know, sent it over. So we had that like a whole album to kind of like stay engaged with our audience with while we weren't playing shows. So I think we really lucked out there. Yeah, but it must be good to be back on stage. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you guys have like a, like a most memorable show that you've played on stage? Hmm. Virginia. Yeah, Michael and I have played a lot of shows together in different projects. So we definitely have like our ones that we have lots of stories from. I think with August, to be honest, we played a show at the Pyramid Scheme this past summer, which is with our good friends, Patty Prashela and the Mayhaps and KJ and the Good Time Family Band. And that was one of my favorite shows that we played because it was just really fun to, to look out into the audience and see so many friends and family members there. And that's like one of our favorite places to play in town. But even just like we, we play at Turnstiles, which is like close to home for us. And we see all our friends there and it's always just like a really fun time. I don't know, do you have a different one? Not really. No, it's all good. I mean, there's some places that we love playing, like, I don't know, the Livery in Benton Harbor. They're awesome. We always have a good time there. The Pyramid Scheme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Is there somewhere that you want to play that you haven't yet? I have an answer for that. You know, <laughs> I have a dream of playing at Frederick Meyer Gardens. I know that there are bigger venues. Obviously, I'll play anywhere, anywhere that are, is just a really amazing opportunity. But when I first moved to Grand Rapids, I remember like touring the city basically and seeing Frederick Meyer Gardens and being like, I wanna, I wanna play there. And that's like my goal. By the time I'm, I'm done living here, I wanna have played there. And so that's my, my goal. I wanna play there next. <laughs> Speaking of like the dream places to perform, do you have like a 
dream collaboration, like someone you'd love to work with or like you've made it when you've started working with a person? Oh man. I mean, there's obviously the local talent. We just actually did a video with one of my dream collaborators, which is Emily Petersmark from The Crane Wives. And we also had Austin Benzing, who has his own project. He also collaborated on that same project. So that was taking off two of our major local artists. I think that life goals, if I can collaborate with Sarah Bareilles, <laughs> I will absolutely die and cease to exist. I've, I've been saying for a while that we need to get Waka Flocka on a verse. But... Oh my God, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't know. Do you have any local or artists you want to collaborate with? I guess everybody. <laughs> We're always yeah, happy to yeah, collaborate. We, I don't know. We, I feel like we, we collaborate a good amount and exchange ideas a lot with the, with our community. And that's, I think is what's really valuable about Grand Rapids is that the, the music community is really close knit and like everybody knows everybody's stuff. And it's just a, a good conversation to have whenever we, we see people. Yeah. And I agree on the Sarah Borellis front. She's absolutely amazing. So I can see where you're coming from with that. And I hope you do get there someday. I feel like that would be so much fun. <laughs> Might be a while, but. <laughs> Might be, but it's something to work for. Yes. Because you guys have like kind of evolved as a band so much, what would your advice be for people who are just starting out or trying to, especially these days when it might be a little bit more challenging? I think the thing I've learned is that, you know, if, if this is something that you're really passionate about, like I've, like I said, I've always wanted to have a band. I've always wanted to play my own music. You have to be able to adjust. So whether that means like, you know, I've had, sometimes people have had to move on from the band. So being able to adjust and, you know, realign yourself so that new people can be a part of the project or as time has gone on and current events change, you know, we've had to adjust to the state of the world and the music industry. And I've also had to adjust as an artist to accept and allow people into my creative space. So I think flexibility and understanding that you can, you can hope for it to be one way, but you've got to be able to, to move with whatever comes your way. One of, one of the best pieces of advice that was given to me is like, you don't have to know what you're doing as long as you're doing something that's that's a good thing and i think that rings like really true cuz you know as long as you're you're writing or you know performing you're just doing something like that's all you can do and number 2 piece of advice would be go out and meet all the people you can meet in your community yes. cuz that's where your work's going to come from Exactly. Like that's the, really the only way you got to meet people and just hang out and be known. Yeah. Make real true relationships with the people in your community, because that's how you're going to not only gain a following, but yeah, gain connections to find opportunities. You, you have to get out and meet people if you want it to happen. And it's uncomfortable and talking to people is is awkward. And it, a lot of the times too, it's at concerts where you're shouting and you can't hear anything, but just keep, keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. Thank you guys so much. Is there anything that we haven't asked that you want to say something about? I guess, well, I'll use this time to kind of promote some 
stuff we have. We released an album this past September called Through the Looking Glass, which is what we were discussing before. So if you want to check that out, that's on all the streaming sites. But we also just put out our first video of our first street sessions that we did with Dogtown Music or Dogtown Studios. And so we did Come Winter, which I, as I mentioned, we had Emily Petersmark and Austin Benzing collaborate with us on. And our second video is going to be coming out in a few weeks. And we have five videos in total for that. And then we're going to be playing, our next big show is at The Listening Room in April with Odd Space and Crooked Spires. So if you're in town on, I believe, April 22nd, 22nd we'll be at The Listening Room. This has been The Musical Mitten, where we bring you all things music from Michigan. Check out our Instagram and Twitter at The Musical MI for any announcements, events, and more. All of our past episodes, radio show, and podcast are on our website at themusicalmitten.wixsite.com slash themusicalmi. Again, that's T-H-E-M-U-S-I-C-A-L-M-I-T-T-E-N dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot C-O-M slash T-H-E-M-U-S-I-C-A-L-M-I. Keep listening in for weekly episodes. Catch you later.